And, um, you know, on, on New Year's Eve, uh, that, that plane took off and crashed into the ocean. Um, so he was, uh, you know, now today, based on his humanitarian efforts and who he was, as, you know, character-wise, Major League Baseball names, uh, names their character award after them, the humanitarian award. Um, so that is the living legacy of that. Um. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Air Vibes, Good Vibes podcast. We have another episode coming to you today, and we have a special guest, Scott Doolin, who is the head coach for Fisher Baseball, for the Fisher College baseball team out in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, he's a very special guest, also one of the board members for the Roberto Clemente Foundation, which is a huge organization that we're going to talk a lot about today and dive into what they really do for humanity and the world. So uh, before we get deep into it, Scott, I just want you to say hi to the community, give a quick little introduction of who you are, and then we'll dive in deeper and have pretty much an open conversation about you, right. your journey, and what you do to help your players have successful journeys and other people yeah. in the world. Why don't you say hi and we'll go from there. All right. Well, well, hello everyone, and I'm I'm happy to be here. You know, Alex and I have been talking about this kind of since we met, um, and you know, I'm I'm excited because you know the, the message is the same message that I try to try to teach every day. Um, you know, being a coach is is as much being a teacher and a mentor as it as it is being you know just a baseball instruction. So um, you know, I I love your message and. Um, you know, just to get positive vibes, and and that's you know, especially in the, the way the world is right now. This is this is the time where we need it. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's definitely, and I appreciate you more than anything for coming on here. And before we get you know deeper into your background, I want to tell the community of how we met, how this is even happening right now. I thought it was a pretty cool story. So, <clears throat> on top of all the good things that Scott does for his community, his school, and around the world, um, he was volunteering. I, I don't know if it was volunteering. I'm throwing that yeah. out there, but working yeah. with uh, the Major League Baseball Player Alumni Association and uh, the league that my son plays baseball in, they gave out some flyers and said, hey, they're running this this clinic with ex-Major League Baseball players and college coaches, and it's 100% free. And I was like, wow, you don't find that anywhere anymore. Like 100% free, college base, college baseball players, college coaches, pro, ex-pros, like where I want to go. My son was pumped. He couldn't wait. So we took the trip out to Boston with my best friend, who's actually one of the founders of Air Vibes, whose kids do not play baseball. So that was a beautiful connection on that day for me because I needed him there with me, and he's, he's part of the story. So yeah. he brought his daughters and said, hey, you guys want to try it, see if you like baseball. We all went out to Boston, had a good time, uh, and watched the kids have some clinics. Long story short, I was watching throughout the day, and you came up at the end and had a talk with all the kids. I actually recorded it. I was on live on Facebook, so everyone saw it then. And it was just a beautiful message that you gave to all these kids. And it was all different ages, if I'm right. I think it was like six-year-olds to like, yeah. I think like 15, 16-year-olds. Yeah. And just the way you were talking to them just really stood out to me. And I remember looking over at my best friend and saying, hey, Malcolm, like, this is everything I t try to teach in AR Vibes. Like, I need to talk to this guy. I need to say something to him. Like, he's got the right mindset. He's doing something right here. You know, I looked up your baseball team, your college while we were there. I'm like, this team's like really good. Like, why don't I know this guy? We got we to gotta figure out more about his mindset. And my buddy Malcolm's like, hey, just go talk to him. Go talk to him. And I'm a very confident person. AR Vibes is all about, like, just manifesting reality, making things happen. And for some reason, I didn't want to go talk to you. I was, like, I was uncomfortable. Like, he doesn't know me. They're doing this for free. He doesn't 
you know, maybe I was wrong and I wasn't judging you, but judging the, the scene of all the people there, I'm like, they're, not, they're here for free. They're not, they don't want to do talk to them, meet them after, and they're just helping the kids out. Long story short, we start to leave. My buddy's like, you know, you're going to miss this opportunity. Just go say hi to him. So I'm like, Logan, come on. We're going back over to say hi. And I can't remember exactly what you said, but you had a lot of good words about my son at the clinic. Mm-hmm. And it just made me feel really proud. And since that time, his baseball skills, I can't even tell you how much better they've gone. I don't know if it was working with you guys, but since last year, we, I think it was two years ago, when we went there, his last two seasons were the best two seasons he had, and including this this recent year, he was number two on the team in batting average. He batted right. over seven hundred. So I was like, yeah. I was pumped. Yeah, it's a, definitely a, you got to be proud as a parent. But yeah, so that that connection almost didn't happen. So first, shout out to my friend Malcolm for pushing me like, stop being a baby, go say hi. And now we're here. Like you were, you were awesome. You're like, yeah, I'll definitely jump on your podcast. I'll talk about what we do. And then you yeah. and I just had some conversations one on one and. I learned a little bit about you. You learned a little bit about me, and I yeah. realized you're a great guy. So yeah. um, that's how we met. So now we're here. So a couple of things I want to go over. I, the, the biggest focus for me is the Roberto Clemente Foundation because that's – it's huge on what we do and what your organization does is we, you, we're trying to fix the world. We're trying to improve the world for the children and everybody else that are going to become – and, and their children in the future. Um, but before we get into that, because I want the, the interview to focus mainly on that, I want to talk a little bit about your success as a coach and what goes into your day-to-day life as a coach. And I know I coach little kids, you coach grown men. So you're coaching men who are, a lot of them probably have the mindset of, I know what I'm doing, I got myself here, versus the guy who says, hey, coach, how do you get me to that next level? I want to keep going. So yeah. I just want to point out a couple of things. Back in the 2018-2019 season, you, your school, Fisher College, of the 18 years you've been coaching them, had a, the best record of 42-16, and 16, best year they've had. Uh, going into this year, you guys were 14 and four before COVID ruined the season. Looks like you probably could have beat that record if not came close to it. And you also, I believe, was it last year or this year where you hit your 500th win? Or uh, that, that, that same year, the 2018-19 year. That's a huge accomplishment for for a college, especially for a college team. Like a lot of people, I could be wrong, but I've met other coaches in the past where they they go to different colleges, they move around. After a couple of years, you've been there for a while. You've been building a good program, and clearly the results have showed. You've also won uh, six Coach of the Year awards before getting your team bumped up to a a more competitive division, if I'm right, which is a great sign. So just talking about that, why don't you tell us a little bit about what goes into a day-to-day life as a college baseball coach, and how do you help your players who might already have their own mindsets on how they run their life and their belief systems to help them excel in life. What do you do for them? Yeah, well, well, first I'll, I'll say, I think the most important thing is surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, if you ever took a look at our roster, we have, we have players from all over the world, literally all over the world. Um, they all come from different backgrounds. They all come from, you know, different coaching styles of who had them before and um, different ways to approach the game. Um, but we all have a few things in common. You know, first, everyone loves to play the game. Um, you know, like th- that's the first thing I look for is can, do you love playing the game? Because college baseball is a grind, um, you know, especially in the Northeast. You'll, you'll, you'll squish in 50-plus games in, a, in like an eight-week span. Um, so it's, you know, you, you have to really love to do it. Um, the second thing is, you, you know, we're competitive. You know, we, we I grew up, at, you know, with an older brother, and him and I are are, are very competitive. He coaches too, um, 
but growing up, we learned how to compete and compete the right way um, from an early age. And, and it wasn't really pushed on us. We just kind of did it. Um, and then the, the third thing is we all, you know, I, I want to say we all, we're all good people. Um, you know, everyone makes their mistakes and everyone can have some faults, but your intentions have to be the right, the right way for the majority of the time, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and you know, a good, a good person makes a good teammate, a good teammate makes a, makes a winner. Um, so, so that's the first thing I say is, you know, we work hard. Um, you know, I have so many really good friends and contacts around, around the country and around the world for recruitment purposes. And they know what I'm looking for in a player. And it's, again, if you're playing at the college level, you're going to have some tools, you're going to have some talent. That's our job as a coaching staff to get the most out of them. Um, but those other intangibles, you know, you, you, it's, you create good chemistry when you have, you surround yourself with good people. Um, especially people that are like-minded, they love to play and they, and they want to win. Um, so that, you know, we, we really work hard at finding the right people to, to put ourselves, you know, to put into our uniform. Um, you know, from a day to day life, I mean, right now I'm in the middle of my fall season, obviously COVID has been, has, has made this a challenge. Our home field, which is Fraser Field in Lynn, one of a historic ballpark, a former professional ballpark. Um, because the city of Lynn has some high numbers, we haven't been able to get in there. So, you know, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm in one spot. On Thursdays, I'm in a different spot. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all different spots. Again, that goes back to surrounding yourself with people that love to play the game. They, Our guys don't care. They, Whatever we got to do, they just go do and, um, you know, because they love to do it. Um, so, they, you know, but besides that, you know, you're managing as a college coach, you're managing personalities, uh, multiple different types of personalities. You're managing uh, different types of, you know, skills, skill sets, uh, multiple different positions. Um, and at a time like this, um, where you look around in the world, I mean, you have, you have, uh, you know, COVID fatigue, you have social justice fatigue, you have uh, just travel fatigue, baseball fatigue that comes along with doing everything that we're doing right now. Um, so it's a constant reminder of, hey, what we're doing right now is a bigger grind than it's going to be in the spring when we have to play, you know, a lot of games in a short amount of time. So let's use this to learn from it. And, you know, it's uh, so that that's really been my focus this fall is keeping everyone on track and keeping everyone going the right in the same direction. Um, because of COVID I've had to split my team into three teams. So we, we, yes. Yeah, so, so we've been, you know, every single day we scrimmage against each other, two teams on one team off. And there's not one time where I'll ever have all three teams in the same place. So again, that chemist building that chemistry is big and that's going to be difficult to do come springtime. Right. So that go again goes back to kind of surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah, it's yeah. it's, it's got to be tricky. Is there anything that you suggest to the players like to do in the off season? Like, while it's harder to get everyone together, do you make any like other like like hey, reach out to each other through social media, talk on the phone, yeah. find yeah. ways to get together when you can? Yeah, you know, you know, I'd say you know, typically teams have one or two leaders. I would say we have about twenty leaders on this team that nice. are really legit leaders and and uh, you know so they reach out to each you know I, I reach out to to those leaders and, and they reach out to their groups of coming in 
um, you know, maybe for, you know a handful of kids from one high school that 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 person had attended. And so there's kind of that family feel right from the beginning. Um, you know, again, you you mentioned something earlier, Alex. It, you know, I've been at Fisher College for a long time. You know, I started the athletics program as a as the director of athletics and baseball coach. And you know, a lot of people, you know, ask me, you know, why do you stay there? And I and I go back. It's a family feel. Um, you know, there's with COVID, we haven't been able to do it. But prior to this, um, it's not uncommon. Pretty much every day, we have an alum that comes by, and you know, they can even come by unannounced, and they talk to the guys, they jump in, they help coach, they do whatever they have to do. You know. Because they still feel part of it. Um, you know, I always say when our when our graduates leave, they're just they're they're not leaving the family. They're just going into a different role. And um, you know, so again, those are things that you know we really work hard on creating that you know kind of a legacy, a legacy type feeling. I love that. Now, do you? I know you like you. I know you have set processes in place to help everybody fit in and make sure it works well as a as a unit. Do you guys have like core values that are like set in stone? Like this is what we're about. These three, like I know you in the early you touched on that, but would you call those your core values, or do you have like simple? These are our core I, values. You no, know, I, I used to go through our core values and, and really detail them, but because again, go back to all the different personalities we have, um, I want to kind of encompass that under under those three things. Like, hey, if if you love to play, you love to compete the right way, and you're a good person, you're gonna fit in under our umbrella, and we're gonna, you know, and it's gonna work. Um, you know, that's, that's just, those three things to me are guiding principles. Um, I always say this to when, when I have new coaches come in, you know, whether it's basketball or soccer or whatever, anyone new, I always, the first thing I say to them, and even in the interview process is if, if I were to go to your, your practice for the first time, what can I say about your team? And, and I could truly say, if you came to one of our practices, you're going to see enthusiasm. You're going to see that they love to play the game. You're going to see that they love each other as brothers. And then you're also you're also going to see that they compete and they compete hard and do it the right way. I love that. And you mentioned earlier too, like intention is a big thing, and I think that's huge with anything in life. Like we, you know, most kids, at least what I see from my standpoint, and as a father, as a coach, as one of nine siblings you see people grow up, they have these dreams, they have these things they're passionate about, things they want, things they want to achieve by the time they're adults. We get to, you know, high school, it gets trickier. A lot of kids have to have that battle. Let's say baseball is their dream. I need to work. I'm now 17. I'm about to be 18. I want to start making money. I want a car. But baseball is every single day after school. What do I do? And then you get to that next level of college where, like you said, a game, what, what is it, 64 games a season or something like that? Yeah, we could play up to 55 games. In it. So, and we're practicing six days a week. You know, it's uh, – So you, you have to have that as your intention. Like, I, I assume most of your players don't have jobs, and if they do, it's probably part-time while they're go- – because they got to focus on school. they got to make sure their academics are up. they got to make yeah. sure they're ready for baseball. And then they need their own time to, you know, keep their mindset and their bodies yeah. ready to yeah. go. So, like, one thing for me is, like you said, is intention is huge. And, and let's, outside of sports, if you don't have the right intentions when you're doing something in life, it's always going to set you up for negative emotions. You're going to feel like you're failing no matter what. So I try to push it on people when it comes to careers, relationships, everything. If you don't have the right intentions, just inside, internally, why are you doing what you're doing? You're never going to get anywhere with it. And that's one thing that what you were saying stood out to me. And I, I teach that with my kids at baseball. Like, if you guys don't like playing baseball – 
it's going to be hard to have a good time. It's going to be hard to learn. It's going to be hard to get better. You have to really like what you're doing or you should be trying something different yeah. and not forcing yeah. yourself to like it. And, yeah. you know, I, I know we live in a different day and age now too, where I see the numbers for kids keep dropping, like less kids mm-hmm. play sports. And it's, it's kind of hard to see, but you see technology picking up. So it makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. I look back when I was a kid as well. And all those kids that didn't want to play that were forced to play sports. Like, I'm sure when you were playing as a kid, you, you saw the same thing. Like there's yeah. always those three, four kids that hate it, absolutely hate yeah. it. They're crying the whole game and it's, it's forced on them. So what would you say to parents out there who, who want to keep their kids active with the, the way the world's starting to change, but don't want to feel like they're forcing too much on the kids? What would be a good way for you to like help them yeah. encourage the kids to get into it? I, 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 I have a great example. I have an eight year old daughter. Perfect. And we've exposed her to everything from from arts, you know, art, the creative side of the arts. You know, my wife is an artist herself um, to to different sports. I mean, I'm a, I'm a baseball coach and this has been my career for, you know, since I've been a professional. Um, and just kind of introduce her to different things and 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 know that it's open. You don't have to do it. You be, if you're going to try it, then we're going to do it for whatever season that is. And then after that, if you don't like it, we can, we can look for something different. Um, but the most important thing was, was, was finding something that she loved to do. And, um, you know, for, for her, it happened to be rhythmic gymnastics. It's, it's an Olympic sport that pretty much nobody knows about. Um, but it's, but it's, it's big in Asia and it's big in Europe and, and, uh, she loves it and she's good at it. And so, you know, for her, it's been, she's been really happy about it. And, so I say for any parents out there, you know, expose them to as much as much as you can without really having to uh, to really push it. I mean, that's how I learned how to that I loved sports um, because I was introduced to it. And then I just kind of, hey, this is fun. This is great. I like what it does. I like meeting new people. And, um, you know, and, and once like like anything, positive feedback is so important, you know, really, really important when especially when she finally figured out that, wow, I'm pretty good at this. I'm real flexible. I can do this. And, you know, and, and I have, a, she is a really tough coach too. And, and she learned how to handle, you know, dealing with a tough coach that maybe screams and yells a little bit. And, you know, I knew after day one, when she came home crying and then day two, she made it through it. I knew it was okay. Now she's, she's good. She's on her way. And now she, you know, that, that coach has become uh become more of a role model for her than anything. So um, it's more about just, you know, encouragement, encouragement, positive feedback every time. And Yeah, I love that. And going a little off topic, what you just mentioned about that coach, that really stood out to me. And it, it started sinking in, sinking in my head, not necessarily even for sports. It reminded me of a teacher I had, but it, it relates to school, sports, everything. Sometimes, like, the world I see, too, is progressing to a point where people don't want to be told like or or pushed too hard they don't want somebody to come down on them hard and try to help them get to that next level but like you said it's now you're one of your daughter's most influential coaches she's had in the beginning she was probably thinking "Ah, i don't like this coach it's too mean they're loud and it brings me back to when i was in high school i had uh i had a history teacher i think it was my sophomore year and i remember freshman year everyone's like you don't want this teacher you don't want this teacher you don't want this teacher and then I got her. So already the mindset's like, oh, yeah. why is she so bad? She's mean. And she's a history teacher that makes you write more essays than an English teacher. So I'm like, yeah. what? it doesn't make sense. And I hated it. 
But I remember right from the beginning, she wasn't mean. She was very tough. And she made us write an essay the first day of school. And I'm like, is this a joke? I'm like, people weren't lying. But to, the end, to this day, I still give her credit for my writing skills. And all of my English teachers throughout the rest of my academic life would always say, wow, you're very well, you know how to write very well. Like, where did this come from? And I always give her the credit over any English teacher I had because that was her passion. She knew she was a history teacher, but she knew that she had a skill that could help mm -hmm. kids understand how to write better than they already do and how to present themselves better through their words and communication. So like, yeah. sometimes you need that tough love. Sometimes you need that hard coaching. As long as you, like you said, have that positive feedback with it. Like I, in the journey, in the AR Vibes Journey Guide program, if I'm coaching somebody, if they're yeah. doing all wrong things in life, you have to tell them. You can't just keep telling them everything's good and expect them to be able to better their lives. You got to be able to give the tough love with the positive feedback is huge. For sure. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit here, and you're you're probably gonna be doing a little bit of talking here if you're okay with it. But um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about the Roberto Clemente Foundation, and before we get into the foundation, I want to talk about Roberto Clemente, and I could tell the community all about him, but I think it'd be perfect for you just to give a spiel on who is Roberto Clemente, not just baseball wise, he's one of the best baseball players ever, but who he was as a person how the organization yeah. came about and how you got involved with the organization. That'd be great to talk about. All right. Well, it's funny. We're, we're talking about it today. 40, uh, was it 48 years ago, Roberto Clemente got his last hit, his 3,000, 3,000 hit, 3,000 wow. hits. On this and day after, today? Yes, on this day. Wow. <laughs> Talk about and, divine timing. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, I, I'm looking at Facebook today and it's, it's kind of all over Facebook and the, and the number 21 that he wore is all over Facebook right now um, and, and social media. But, um, you know, Roberto Clemente was a, was a baseball player who came, comes from Puerto Rico. Um, he was the first Latin American player to make the Hall of Fame, first to win the World Series MVP, the MVP of the league. Um, you know, it, when, when you talk about the baseball greats, you're talking about at the time he played, you had Willie Mays, you had Hank Aaron, uh, Mickey Mantle, those players, and 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 they would all say to to each one of them when they asked you, you know, who's they all played the outfield, who's the best, and they'd all say, you know, I, it was Roberto Clemente, yeah, you know. So whether you believe he's the best or he's in that top three to five, and for sure, um, you know, his and his all of his accolades speak for themselves. But um, so R Roberto Clemente wasn't just wasn't just a baseball player though. Um, what what he's what what he stood for for the Latin American community is what everyone knows knows him for. But what really is what he stood for for humanity. Um, you know, he was playing during the during the civil rights movement. Um, he was you know he was watching what Martin Luther King Jr. was doing, and 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 at that time a lot of a lot of the a lot of the Latinx community was really more of, you know, what about us? And, and we're not being talked about. And where, whereas Roberto Clemente was including, was re including everyone in the conversation. And when he talked about everyone, it was white, black, Hispanic, Asian. It didn't matter. It was equal equality. I mean, he really, that, that, that was the most important thing to him was equality. He's like, don't, don't look at me. Don't judge me by the color of my skin or the, or the accent that I speak with or the language that I speak. You know, do, you know I want you to characterize me based on my character. Um, and, and that kind of 
that legacy was really started back during the civil rights movement when, you know, he was becoming a standout player and, you know, people were starting to take notice. He's winning, you know, win, winning a couple world series and he's, uh, you know, he, he's at the forefront of baseball at the time. And, um, you know, he was bringing those other issues in, into, into the face of everyone else. Um, you know, so he, he, you could say he was a social, social justice warrior. Um, but he was more about just giving everyone an opportunity. And he, tr he truly believed that the best way to do it is through teaching kids at a young age that we can, you know, you guys are going to have the same opportunity as everyone else. It doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter where you come from or who's on you. We're going to offer this and we're going to be able to do this and you're going to, and, you, and you're going to get an opportunity to do this. So not only that, but he was a humanitarian. He would travel all throughout Latin America. He was, he was, as big as a name in the Latin American community that, that you can think of and probably still is today. Um, and he became really good friends with the, with the people in Nicaragua. He, he really felt like the people in Nicaragua um, went through some of the same, same things he did when he moved to the States to start becoming, you know, becoming a baseball player here. Um, and he saw that a lot of similarities. So he had a good connection with, with Nicaragua and, um, and right before, you know, during the holidays of 1972, his, um, you know, Nicaragua went through a big earthquake, a uh, devastating earthquake. And, um, they, they, you know, he, so he organized in Puerto Rico and throughout Latin America to kind of to help an aid effort. Um, they, sent, uh, they sent boats, they sent planes full of goods. Um, but at the same time, in Nicaragua, there was, a, there was a civil war going on. So it didn't get into the hands of the right people. Um, so he decided I'm going to put together, put together another plane and I'm going to go personally with, on that plane and, and no one will touch this. We're going to get it to where it needs to go. And, um, you know, on, on New Year's Eve, uh, that, that plane took off and crashed into the ocean. Um, so he was, uh, you know, now today, based on his humanitarian efforts and who he was, as, you know, character-wise, Major League Baseball names uh, names their character award after them, the Humanitarian Award. Um, so that is the living legacy of that. Um, from a from a foundation standpoint, um, you know, one year I was working, you know, at, at Fisher College as a baseball coach. I was in Puerto Rico recruiting, and um, on my flight home, I happened to be sitting next to uh, Roberto Roberto's middle son, Luis Clemente. And him and I started talking and he was running the foundation was had just started um, and, they, and they were running what it's called the Clemente Cup. And they were basically, you know, using that same message, that legacy um, and putting together college teams from the states to play in tournaments in Puerto Rico, learn about the legacy, get involved in the community down there um, while they're on that trip. And. You know, I had heard about it, and it, he was just doing it for NCAA schools. And I said, we're not NCAA. We're in another affiliation called the NAI. And I said, you know, the NAI is the first organization to cross the color lines. They're, the NAI is the, the oldest organization in college sports. And, uh, you know, you left us out. And he, and he was kind of taken, taken aback a little bit. And so we talked more and more about it. And, you know, we just became good friends. And, you know, within a few months, six months, I, um, you know, I was out there on another visit and I was sitting at um, Mrs. Clemente's 
you know, dining, dining room table. And they all said, hey, why don't we, uh, we should be on our board. We want more, you know, we want to, we want to make this happen. Um, so that's how I met, and that, that's how I met them. And that's how I became part of it. But if, if I go back, uh, you know, I'm going to go back 20 years now. When I started at Fisher College, the first thing I did, we're in downtown Boston. The first thing I did was say, I want to get involved in the community. And so I searched around and, and, the, and the first organization that got back to me, believe it or not, was the Roberto Clemente Youth Organization. So going back 20 years now, I started, you know, we, we started a relationship with them and I didn't even know it. And, uh, you know, so now, so now we're here today. And, you know, this year has been a special year, even though we haven't, you know, because a, a lot of our programming is done with Major League Baseball, their are organizations, the the different the different major league organizations we do events at well, with minor league teams and with major league teams um but obviously with COVID and no fans it's been hard to do anything but what it's taken it's kind of taken on a um kind of taken on organically it's kind of just happened where there's been a big push now to to from the fans to retire number 21 um, because of what he stands for and because of if you look at the demographics of what what who, who's playing and managing and, and working in Major League Baseball right now um, and all these organizations he represents everyone and and so I think that's why there's that big push right now um, not just because he was such a good player but but what he did off the field um, so this year on Clemente Day which was September 9th uh, for the first time, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the team he played for, everyone wore number 21. But at the same time, other other people around the league, you know, wore number 21 that day. Um, so it's kind of just been through the players and through you know through the major league players who have said, you know, hey, we want we want to see this and we want this to happen. So, you know, I, I, but from a foundation standpoint, we've never pushed retire 21. We just want to make sure that that legacy is out there and. And that it's continued to be taught, um, whether it's through camps and clinics or whether it's through opening back up Sports City, um, which is Sports City is a is a um, was a dream of Roberto Clemente. He wanted to he wanted to, like I said earlier, he wanted to make sure that every kid had an opportunity. Every child had an opportunity to do what they want to do and not pay for it, um, whether it's become a swimmer or an artist, a dancer it didn't matter. Musician, it didn't matter. He wanted to create that space that they can do that. Um, so when, when he passed away, Mrs. Clemente started it, um, you know, and it was bit by bit. And now there's, they had for years, they had this big, uh, you know, a big piece of land and big complex in Puerto Rico that allowed this to happen. A lot of guys that came through the big leagues, um, and, and in other areas, a, a lot of scientists and, and musicians came through you know, Sports City. Um, and, then, and then there was a decline, a decline in funding, a decline in all kinds of reasons why. Um, but there seems to be now is a, another call to, to get that going again and do it the right way. And there's now funding in place. And um, it, it, there, there's a bright future. And again, go back to everything that's going on in the world right now. Man, what a time to be able to have that positive image, that positive role model, and that legacy. Um, I, I, the world just needs it right now. It's you know, 
you can't turn on the news. You can't watch. You can't look at social media without seeing negativity on one side or the other. And here's a guy who represented all of it. And you know, so that's kind of what we've been pushing for years now with an organ as an organization. And let's do this. Let's start with the kids. Let's create a generation that's going to, you know, going to be able to benefit from some of the things that we can offer them. But more importantly, what's that mindset? How do you be good to others? And and how do you how do you have that you know that positive image? And how do you um, how do you figure out how to do what you love to do? And 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 when people do what they love to do, they tend to be good people, right? Because I mean, because yeah. there's not a lot of negativity around them. Of course, I love how you just referenced that too. Like I'm a huge believer, and it's something I teach everybody that asks me for advice. Is everyone has a specific purpose, and when Sometimes that's hard to grasp for a lot of people and everyone has different views on it, but it's a lot of people are like, well, what is that purpose? And you really can't find that out until you learn how to go inside of yourself and really figure out, like, you got to know what you're passionate about. I'm a huge believer in passion ties right into purpose. If yeah. you know what you're passionate about and you know what makes you happy, it, like you said, it's hard to be a bad person. When you're doing yeah. good things because you're passionate about it, it's very hard to do bad because you'll, you'll start to realize how real karma is, how real the, the, the universe is. Where if you're doing good things for a good cause, but you're doing bad things, it always backfires on you. If you're, you know, there's no way you can do good for the wrong, with the wrong intention for a long time. You could get away yeah. with certain things for a little bit, but when you're doing things from the goodness of your heart, it can never die. Like, like this organization, what better time in the world to revamp the funding and revamp that program you were just speaking of yeah. than right now? Like it's perfect timing. Like this is needed. And Roberto Clemente's story is unbelievable for anyone who hasn't heard it. It's, you know, it's, it's not like any other story you've heard and yeah. the organization, what they do is just huge. And I, I love what they do mainly for children because it's like you said, we got to start with a new generation. It's, we can fix the world with the, the adults we have now, the middle-aged people, the old elderly people. But in reality, we got to change it with the young, the youth. If we don't, we're going to have a really bad place in the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years, hundred percent. Like now's the time to address it and, you, you just see a lot of people who are careless these days where they just don't have any heart. There's no heart. There's no love. They don't, they really don't care about other people. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a huge message to get out there too. And I love I, what your organization does. And it's just the story of how you met It's something you already yeah. involved in. And then next thing you know, you meet his son on a flight. And I actually want to question that. Cause I, I know we talked, we did talk about that. It was a while back when we first met. I, I could be wrong here, but I, I recall from the story, did you almost not, go where you were supposed to go when you met him that day on the flight? Like it was almost like you weren't going to go and then you changed your mind or something happened. Yeah. You know, you know, I was, I was scheduled to be down there about a month earlier and a bunch of different variables happened. And, and at the end of the day, I, I could, you know, I, I just ended up changing my trip to that time. And then even the night before I moved my flight up to be on it, you know, it was like a, a 3 a.m. flight, uh, you know, I had to be in the airport at like 3 a.m. for a 5 a.m. flight. And I can remember sitting there going over my notes in the airport, and he's sitting, you know, like two seats down, kind of kind of looking over my shoulder, kind of like, you know, seeing what I'm looking at. And I'm just kind of like, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> at that time in the morning, you're just kind of, you know, you're just, you're, you're still half asleep. And, uh, you know, we, then we got on the plane, we happened to be sitting right next to each other, and that was it. And, <laughs> That's awesome. I, and I'm a huge believer in everything happens for a reason. We, we did talk about that when we ended up connecting finally, when I had the courage to just go over and say, hey. Um, and that right there is a prime example of if you just 
decided not to go forward with what your, your intuition was telling you. No, I, yeah. I, I just need, I'm going to stay. You might've never met him. You might've never been involved. And, and the fact that you were involved 20 years prior is even a bigger yeah. sign to me. Like it was meant to happen. And that's because yeah. you have good intentions. You're, you're literally, and I can't say it's your purpose, but I'm just talking to you enough. I feel like you understand what your purpose in life is and you're living your purpose. And I think that is huge. And if everyone could find that, we really could live in a perfect world. It wouldn't be perfect, but it would be very peaceful if everyone yeah. can understand this. They, they can do something. And it's yeah. going to take a lot of change with school systems and everything. Because in reality, the way the, world, the way the country, we'll say what the country is set up, is there's places where you're, you're taught that you can't be anything in a sense. And it's wrong yeah. and it's sad. And we need to address that as a whole. And if we don't, we're always going to have, you know, the kids who grow up thinking I'll never be anything. I have to do bad things to get where I want to go. Versus the kids that, you know, even if you come from poor, I'm one of nine. I come from a poor family. Everyone told me, you're never going to get here. You're never going to get there. I still am not where I said I was going to be, but I, I'm someone who does things out of passion, out of intention yeah. to do good. And I know things are going to come when they're supposed to, and I don't force things. And yeah. if everyone could just understand that, and that, that, that basic mindset of you do things you love, you do things that make you happy, you're going to make other people happy regardless. Because you never know what you're going to do for somebody else that's going to change their life. And you weren't even doing that. You were doing it because it made you happy. So, yeah. and again, it, and it goes back to and, and passing that message along, just like what you're doing, right? What, what you're doing with this, with this program is passing that, passing that along to anyone and everyone who wants to listen. And I, you know, I, my, my platform with my immediate platform is my family and, and my daughter, my eight year old daughter. And then, my, my other platform is with my, you know, my 60 baseball players and, and talking to them about what it means to give back and why do you give back and how it can change lives. And, um, and then also, you know, I'm fortunate to be with, with the Clemente Foundation and, and, the, and the hundreds of thousands of people that benefit from different things that we can do. And, and, and sometimes we don't even see them. And sometimes it's just the gifts that we send to different parts of the country and different parts of the world that just go along with that message. So um, it, it's really about taking advantage of any sort of platform you do have and, and, and making that beneficial to, to you in order, you know, in order to help others. Um, you know, it, it's just something that's really important. You know, something else, Alex, that you, you just touched on and kind of like, I always say with our players, again, your first thought's your right thought. So uh, when you're when you're surrounding yourself with people, um, you know that that like I told I said earlier, you surround yourself with people that fit under that big umbrella. Um, it, it, you can trust those first thoughts, and and sometimes they're not going to work, and you have to be you have to be strong enough to learn how to learn learn from it and learn from that mistake. But again, it all goes back to what you just said: intention, good intention. Uh, and what you're doing, what your purpose is. Um, I just said this the other day. Someone, someone had called me, one of my former players, and, and and you know, just told me something real positive about their life. And I said, you know what? That's the paycheck. You know, in high in higher ed, especially college baseball, you you don't do this to get rich. You, you do this for the other things. And you know, fortunate enough to you know be able to put food on my table and a roof over my head, and I'm happy with that. And I'm you know. Yeah, I love that you said that. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I love that you said it, though. That's, that's, that's what I do with AR Vibes. When I started this three years ago now, I'm not going to lie. There was obviously, hey, this is my purpose. This is what I'm going to do. But I thought money was going to come 
in the near future. I'm like, this is a great idea. It's a great message. It's going to get out there. I can sell hats. I can sell shirts. And then we'll get, we'll grow as we get there. Three years later, I still have not made any money with Air Vibes. In fact, in the last three years, all I've done is invest money. But in reality, it's something I've already decided. And no, I'm never going to stop, regardless of how it plays out. Because I, I have helped enough people already where it's felt good enough. And it's like, wow, this, this is really something that can give back and, and getting it yeah. out there. And I've also been lazy. Like I, I met you, it's, it's been over a year now, to be fair. I asked you if we can get on the podcast and we're getting on the podcast now. So we all have our own little battles we fight. I have all the right intentions when I'm doing this, but I, I have to check myself at times and say, hey, you have people who want to help you. You want to help me. You want, and and you're, not, you're not asking me for any money to help me. It's you want to do it out of the good of your heart. And sometimes you got to, like you said, listen to that first, that, first, that first thought, the intuition. And I think a huge thing that comes in and I teach people is when those other thoughts start coming in after the intuitive thought, that's where you're going to check your belief systems. Like why all of a sudden do I not want to do what my intuition has told me? And usually I notice it's, it's always tied into what the reality around you is the world around you and your intuition's always right. But sometimes you have to go against what seems right in the world to, to do the right thing. And that's, yeah. that's always the hardest part of intuition. In my opinion, when I teach people is you're going to have the right thought. You're going to know it's right. You know, right away that it's the right thing to do, but then something's going to convince you usually based off your belief systems of why it's the wrong thing. And that's what makes a lot of uh, confusion in people's heads and in the world around yeah. from what I see. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's where it goes back to, you know, that first thought, your right thought. And, you know, what you're doing right now and as you're building up, as you're building up this, um, you're doing it with the right intentions. We talk about this with the Clemente Foundation. You know, we all volunteer for this. Anyone on that board, we volunteer. It's not about the money that comes in or goes out. It's making sure that – you know, the, the money that comes in, it, it's all gone because we're using it for something good. Right. Um, we've always said, you know, Matt, eventually it's, it, it'll all pay for itself. And eventually, you know, maybe someday we can all just do that full time. There's nothing wrong with working in the game of baseball in it, on the side of it that is just doing good for others. You know, there's that is, it's, you know, maybe that should be our goal, you know. But, you know, right now it, it's we're you know, we're. We enjoy what we do. We like we like helping others, and we and it's a great message. It's a great story. Um, like we said, kids kids need to hear that now. Kids need to kid needs yeah. kids need to really really see what that that is all about. I, I think too. I think it's gonna be the future, Scott. Like I I have one son. I I don't recall how many kids you have. But I know you have an eight year old daughter. You said my son's nine, gonna be ten. I also noticed, like, just for my son and his close friends and the kids I coach in baseball and hockey, I don't see – I haven't seen many kids who are really that stressed out about where the world is right now at all. If even – like, mm -hmm. it's not even in their mind, most kids, unless their parents are really, like, pushing it on them. Like, this world's falling apart. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I think, I think adults, I think we need to sit back and look at how the kids are handling the world right now. Like, yeah. I watched a seminar where kids were literally, like, crying and, like, begging for people to stop fighting over race. And, and sit money and like it's like how do you not see that even these kids can see that we're yep. literally going backwards they're learning about martin luther king in school they're learning about civil rights already and then we're showing them the exact opposite in the world and it's yep. confusing to the kids yeah i don't know if you have anything off the top of your head but what what do you think what's a good takeaway you can get from if you've noticed that yourself like what as adults what should we do to take a step back and just see the reality of the world around us and how to deal with it better like how like a tip from you on how you deal with it and how you would tell others. Well, you know, I think in, in, in my role, 
in either side, whether it's with the Clemente hat on or the Fisher hat on, it is a role of leadership, whether you want it or not. When you're a parent, it's no different. It's no different, right? right. And, and someone asked me this years ago, like, you know, when my daughter was born, and I have one daughter, so when she was born, people asked, you know, like, how, how are you going to be able to manage, you know, all the different things you're doing and be a father? And I said, well, you know, what may, what being good or at least having the right intentions to be good in one role is going to make me better at the other. And, you know, so as a parent, I always look at it, you know, I, I have that coach mindset, I guess kind of have had that for as long as I can remember. Um, and, I, and I don't mean that coach like a drill sergeant or, you know, here are the drills we're going to do today and you're going to do it like this because I don't coach like that anyway. But I think I coach a lot like I parent and I parent a lot like I coach, um, you know, as much, ne you know, try to have more positive commentary than negative commentary. You know, there's always there's consequences to every action. So when it's a good action, I want to, you know, call that out. And, you know, so I guess just for, for parents who have children that are seeing this, you know, I know I, you know, my daughter talks about it and, you um, Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, the whole meeting just muted there. I apologize. I don't know why. Right. I just I got an alert. The meeting muted. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is all parents are role models, and they have to recognize that. They are leaders, whether whether it's in their jobs, whether it's in their profession, whether it's on a team, doesn't matter. When you're a parent, you're a leader. Um, and and so, your, so your actions are always being watched. Um, you know, so so I guess that's kind of how that's kind of how I parent. You know, knowing that I have a little one that's that's watching, and and they're constantly learning. I mean, children are always learning, so um, no, that's no different than my players. Always learning. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we're all you as adults. We're always learning too. If you're not, if you stop learning, you're not. You know, you, you're you're not getting the most out of your day. So. Um, not to mention on top of that, I, I'm big into science and I, I love quantum physics, all that good stuff. And we're learning in the world. Science is literally proving right now that our brain does not stop developing. Like we, we used to think like, all right, you hit like, I don't know, late 20s, 30s, maybe 40s. You kind of already know everything. And you're 100% right. You never stop until you, if you decide you're going to stop, this is just my opinion. This is not any research, but I feel like when you decide to stop, that's when the negative downfalls come in. Yeah. The when well, you start forgetting everything, you lose your memory because your brain is not meant to just I know everything, keep going. You're here to keep taking in, keep taking yeah. in and processing and understanding why things happen, why you're doing them. And I, I think we have a that backwards in our in humanity where a lot of people think they hit a certain age and I know what I'm doing. And when you're yeah. a kid, 18, I'm gonna be 18. I know exactly what I want in life. When you're 25, you know what you want. I say this from my own experience. When I was a kid, I knew what I wanted. When I was 15, 16, I knew exactly what I wanted, and I can still back that today. When I was 18, 25, all those ages, but I can say for sure, I'm 30 now, that my mind is way more developed than it was at 25, than it was at 21, than it was at 18, and there's no arguing that. Like Some people will argue, but I, I'm confident that that is a, a fact because 
you could just see it. The more you progress, you just see, oh, I was definitely didn't know any, like anything really. When you look back, like I was 18, I knew nothing. Like I'm just getting to know. It's almost, you know, the second time I've lived those many years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's a big thing. It is, it is. Yeah. I got one more question for, well, two more questions, but one more about baseball. What would you say? I just want to hear a good story on what was either your choice, the, the hardest, player not not by name but hardest player to either a turn around and bring into what he turned into or a player that you expected to be really good that might have been the biggest challenge like either a good or a bad hit you can give it to me like what was the one story of a player that just really you didn't know what you were going to get and then it turned into one of the best things that's happened for you if that makes sense yeah all right i i i have a player who came from uh Came from from locally from Massachusetts, and and again I get kids from all over the place. So he's a local guy, but you know I knew he was uh, he he was one of those energetic, um, but also the kind that couldn't handle failing so much. But he was a real good athlete. You know he's just kind of one of those kids where you could see that you could see that the intention is there, but the, but he froze on me. Oh, well. It's a bandwidth issue. Is All it? All the kids using Zoom. <laughs> and it's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me too? Yes. Yeah, it's uh just to, just for the community. I'm I'm sure anyone who has kids, you understand. Zoom is being used around the entire world right now, and it's a bandwidth issue. It's uh so sorry for yeah. the little lapse there, but we're good to go. You can get right back okay. to it. Sorry about that. <laughs> so so he was a challenge. You know, his he was a, a red shirt. I guess he gets um, for those who don't know red shirts. Sometimes you, you have students that are going to be there. Student athletes are going to be there for five years um, for school. And they can only get four years. Is it? Well, give it a minute. I'm sorry, guys. I lost you again. There you (laughs) go. I don't know what's that. It's, we made it through almost to the end. We're getting there. Um, last yeah. I got was he was a red shirt, and you were gonna tell the community about like except for people who don't understand what a red shirt is. Yeah. So so what a what a red shirt is 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 someone who only practices their first year. They practice. They get better academically. They get stronger academically, physically, uh, better as an athlete um, without having the grind of the season to to affect that. And then their next year they start playing at the you know at the varsity level. Um, so. So he was that, and, and man, when I say he had trouble handling failure, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, a strikeout with the helmet and bat being thrown and things like that. He thinks that, you know, just real competitive. And I just said, you know what, you know, I told my coaching staff, this kid is going to be one of the best players we had. And they all looked at me like, you're crazy. You're not going to, you know, we're not going to be able to change this kid. They said, no, you know. I'm a big believer, right? Someone, one of my mentors a long time ago said, you know, if you can never give up on a kid, 
if you bring them and you want them to be part of you, you can't give them up, give up on them. And I, so I take it personally if I can't, if I can't turn a kid around. And I, and and it took me, it took me five years. It took me five years, but I wouldn't quit. And you know, he wasn't the best of students. Um, it was a challenge in the classroom. You know, a couple times he'd get himself into some trouble off the field and um, all those things. But when when they, I always say, as soon as you put on our uniform. Your family and your family for life, for good or for bad. And you know, not everyone gets along with their family all the time, but right. Um, and so, you know, we brought him along and brought him along by by his last year. I'm telling you, when the positive attitude he had and the positive influence he had on all the younger guys at that point, and the story he could tell um, about the path that he had to get through to get there, and and how hard he had to work to get there. Um, and to this day, he's still statistically one of the best players we've ever had. Um, and, and even more importantly, he's, uh, you know, he's doing what his career path took him to do as a student. And on the side, just because, because of his experience, he's coaching high school baseball now and, and nice. taking the same things he learned and giving it back to kids. And, and not just the baseball side of it, but everything that goes along with the personal, the building up a character building of character through the game. Um, I think that to me was one of, that was one of the best, you know, best turnarounds I could think of. I mean, he, when he was, I mean, I, when I say he was a challenge, he was a challenge, but a great athlete and, and he played with so much passion um, and it was channeling it the right way while at the same time, kind of taking off that exterior and getting to get into the, you know, what it means to be a good person, what you can learn from the game. So that's a great story, and it's a, it's a great example of don't give up. If, you, if you're if you chasing a dream and you know you've got the right in- mentality and you know you've got the right intentions, even if you keep screwing up. I You know, I have people who, I, who I've helped in life where they screw up here, and then it's like, hey, we all screw up. Everyone is going to screw up. You just got to figure out how do you go forward from this. So that's a beautiful story from taking five years. Most kids at that point are going to quit. They're like, I'm just going to get into a career. Like, baseball is not for me anymore. I'm done. He was determined, and that's that's a great story. I love that. That's that's good for anyone in anything. And again, not even just sports, like a career yeah. path that you want to get into. You might fail a few times. It might be hard. You might have to work mm-hmm. harder than somebody else to make it happen. And in reality, we don't have fairness. We don't have equality in the world. And that's why I love that you're part of the, Clement, the Roberto Clemente Foundation because that's what it's all about is equality. And sooner or later, we're going to get there. It's yeah. been a process. But it's going to be – this is a turning point in the world right now, and it's, it's very clear for everyone to see is we're either going to, A, move past racism and really start bringing equality into the whole world, or we're going to go worse than it's ever been. And that's scary. So it's the more positive yeah. we can put out, the more good people you can get out, the good messages you can get out and remind people, hey, the world's not over. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's in a dark time in a sense, but there's so much beauty around still if you just look for it and yeah. stop dwelling in the – the negatives like I a friend of mine we just started a business like I've, I've been having trouble finding work outside of air vibes unemployment yep. giving people extra money for a little bit they decided to stop it's it's yeah tough mm-hmm. so a friend reached out and said hey we have all these skill sets from all of our years and the careers that we've done let's just take the risk and just start a business and we did it so like never know what's going to happen could turn out yep. huge could turn out to be a, a bad risk but it's it's another thing yeah. on top of what i'm doing because this is a time of opportunity it's it's a hard time mm-hmm. but it's a time to figure out what else can you do in the world yeah. all this downtime find something yeah. new that excites you or can help you 
progress in life in any area. Yeah, that's again taking taking what's going on in the world and and, and kind of like we we say this all the time: win, just win. And and if you, if you break down the if you break it down, it's what what's important now, and just win. And you know whatever whatever you got to face is that's what's important at that at, at that moment. And what kind of what can you create out of what opportunities can you create at that moment? And you know then that's good way to I heard that from someone long ago and I, I've taken that with me is it's you know what it, it what's important sense. now what's important now yep I, I love that and I, I'm gonna go a little bit off into left field here it, I have on my other wall behind me I have a yin yang a yin yang and I'm a yep. huge I talk a lot about the light in the dark and what mm-hmm. influences us as humans in the world and actually I'm losing my train of thought sorry about that I don't know where I was going with that but what you just said made me think of that can you repeat what you just said? I'm sorry, Scott. I just started going off the left field and lost my train of thought. Yeah, I, I just said, you know, what a great way to look at look at things because you're going to face adversity all the time, no matter what. You know, anything you do in life, you're going to face adversity. So if you just kind of live by that, you know, what's important right now, what's important now. Um, and, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a competitor. I do that for a living, so I want to win. And when right. you put them all together, it's man, it's kind of made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, actually, and you just refreshed my memory. So I'm a huge believer in where intuition's huge, free will is huge. Everyone knows it is. But I, again, I look at science a lot. I've, I've realized through neuroscience and studies that free will is not what we always thought it was. They, they've proven through science that they can zap different parts of your brain and make you pick different things. And what I feel mm-hmm. that is, is it's just intuition. That's a, it's a way to say, hey, think this real quick. And you just tie it to intuition. Like, oh, my intuition just said I want this, so I'll pick this where what's important now, I think that's huge, where all of us have to, like, I'm a firm, believer, every, a firm believer everyone deals with the darkness at times. And something's going to come in, no matter how good your life is, no matter how much wealth you have, no matter how much love you have from family. You, we live in a world where dark is going to find its way in. And it's, that's a huge thing that's going to stick with me forever now. What's important now? When? How do you win that one battle? Whether, it's, if, whether you're a drug addict and you're fighting drug addiction and you've been clean, let's say, a year. I'm going to use my sister as an example because she's just been clean for a year. Proud of her. I'm going to use her as an example. What if that thought comes in and it's like, hey, one more time, one more time. That's a perfect example. That's a perfect way to win right there. No, I'm going to win this battle if it takes a day, if it takes three days, if it takes three years. And I, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to take that with me for the rest of my life. I've never heard it used that way. And that's huge because it's everyone's going to have a battle in the moment. In the now, in the present, how do you deal with it right then and there? And that's that's huge. I love that. That really stood out. You think about last night. There was a debate. I don't. I, I was at practice, so I didn't. I, I I saw the comments going on today, and I'm like, again, yeah, that, that was my first thought. You know, whichever side of the fence you're on on this, that's you know, it's not. It's none of my business. But it's. Uh, I look at it, and I look at all the negativity around. It, it's like, man, what, what's important right now? Like the debate happened last night. I don't, I don't, I didn't even see it. So, but it's all being talked about in such a negative way. So, you know, let's move forward. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I got to be in again, good reminder for me because myself, I, I've I've been posting not, not frequently, but enough when it's something I try to avoid. And I caught myself posting because I'll, I'll see things happening on both sides. And I'm like, this is like, in reality, in my view, it's horrible on both ends. So it's like, I keep fighting like, why do we pick, why are we picking one or the other? You don't see the bad on both sides. But then when I sit back and think about it, 
it, it doesn't matter. Like, whether yeah. there's bad on both sides, it's not going to change. One of those guys is going to be our president. So yeah. I have to say to myself, do I really want to have these conversations with people about what's going on? And, and then, you know, just today, you, you just helped me make – I'm done posting about it. It makes no sense because I shared a post earlier. It was about uh, one comment that was made about race. And it, to me, it was right to the point. Uh, the, the President, president Trump was asked, what is your views on the KKK white militia groups? And he's like, what do you want me to say? And he's like, boys, stand down and stand by. And I was like, oh, my God, you can't say that. And, yeah. and then I posted about it because I'm like, that is, people need to hear that. That's not good. And so many people started coming at me. And I'm like, he said it with his own words. You watched him say it. And it's like, yeah, but Joe Biden is racist too. And it's like you said, it, it, I'm not going to get anywhere having those conversations. And I know that. But sometimes I let that, that negative get in and say, you got to tell them where they're wrong. You got to try to point out where it doesn't make sense. And it's no, you yeah. don't. Cause it's just going to bring you down and then it's going to yeah. bring your vibration down to a low level. And it's not going to help you. Yeah. And then it gets you stuck there too. It yeah. Gets you stuck there. And, and you get constantly looking back and looking back and instead of, Hey, like you said, we have no control over this. You, right. you and I, you and I, we have one vote each. <laughs> so right. Right. That's it, right. But, uh, but, but I know I can control, I can control how I'm going to react to things. I can control what message I want to say. I want to, I want to give my daughter or my, or my players or, you know, those are things that are important. You know, you hold on to those things and, and worry about the things you can control. And that's, it's the other stuff. It's noise. Is it, yeah. it's, and this actually circles back to what you said earlier about living in the moment. Uh, my favorite athlete of all time is Tom Brady, even though he left us still love <laughs> Tom, still love, but, uh, he, I, I was watching an interview he did, and this, he says all the time, the biggest, the biggest thing in his success, people ask him, is just live like a kid in the moment. And it ties back to what we talked about earlier, our kids, and seeing kids who are not stressed out in the world about all this right now. Even not going to school, you think kids would be like, really, it would be hard on them. A lot of kids are okay. They're just like, eh, it is what it is. If they, if they have a decent at-home life, if parents are there showing love and support, kids are fine through all this. And, it's, and that's what it is. They're living in the moment. They're not yeah. thinking, what's going to happen with school next year? Am I ever going to go to school again? They're just like, what's today? What's happening right here? Like, I just want to get this yeah. over with. What's next? And that's, that's how we all going to be able to get back to that. <laughs> I never really thought about it the way you just said it because, you know, that's how a kid looks at every day. Yep. That's how we what's all should be looking at it every day. Right now, right? What's important? Wait. Yeah. And, and, and they don't see the bad. You know, they don't look at things with bad intentions. They don't, they don't have to respond to negative Facebook you know, right. post. They it don't. They don't taught. Negative gets taught. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to hold you up all day. I appreciate you. One other thing I want to ask you to put out for the community is where can people? Um, well, I don't want to get your information out there, but if there's a baseball player that happens to see this, high school kid, really skilled, do you? Do players reach out to you, or is that always you go to them? And then no, that's one they, question. Sorry, guys. They, they could definitely reach out to me. Um, okay. I mean, I, I have kids that reach out to me on Facebook. Some kids that reach out to me through text messages. They find me at, at the Fisher website. And is that just FisherCollege.com? Or can you share uh, that for anybody? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's www.fisher.edu. Um, you can find me there. My name's Scott Doolin. I'm, you know, I'm part of, I'm part of your, your group too. So anyone through there can yep. find me on Facebook and, you know, I, don't don't worry about sharing my information. I'm I'm you know I'm good people end up our way all the time. Yeah. Awesome, I love it. And then the other question was, 
for what you never know who's going to see this interview. If anybody wants to help with the Roberto Clemente Foundation, whether it be donate money, donate services, how can someone else get involved with the organization or reach out? In, in the Boston area, you can reach out to me with through, through again, everywhere I just said. Um, or you can also go to the, it's, it's robertoclementefoundation.com. Um, that's our website and there's all th different, different ways to, to get involved. Um, again, we're, we're, we're not out there looking for millions and millions of dollars. We're, we we want help, you know, and, and teach yeah. that yeah. people, people who are going to have, you know, live by that legacy and, and, and do things with good intentions. For sure. And I'll put it out there whenever the time is right, if it ever is right, air vibes would love to help any way we can as an organization. Cause I just looking at when I read about the, the Roberto Clemente foundation, everything I read is like, it's almost, it's almost the same mission, but totally separate. Yeah. It's like any way we could ever help in the future as of yeah. now, we're, we're not a money. We're not, we don't have money, but I would love to spread any words we can. If there's events, yeah. it'd be awesome because awesome. And, it, and and the I, world needs it right now. Yeah. And, and with either one of my hats on or just myself personally, because I kind of, it all kind of all encompasses in one anyway. You need anything from me? You know, I, I, I love what you're doing. And, and, and I, and I, cause I know what you're going through as an organization as you're building up. Um, but just continue doing that because the money is going to be there. You know, your faith should tell you that things are going to work out the right way. And, you know, you have the right intentions and, that's 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 going to take you a long way. So, I hope so. I'm with you on that. I, I teach it to everybody, and that's why. Yeah. Again, money's. I want to. My main goal is what you said earlier. I want this to be my full time. I want to help people full time. I don't yeah. need a million dollars either. I just need enough to live. But that's what I want to do for my full time work. I don't want yeah. to work for companies. I want to help people, help mm -hmm. themselves, and better their lives. That's my main goal, and that's found. That's my purpose. When you find your purpose, you find it, and. When I was going yep. through a workshop with one of my old life coaches, I didn't think that was going to be my purpose. I knew I loved people, but I had a lot of skill sets. And I'm like, what's my purpose? And when it came down to it, we narrowed it down to that. I was like, wow, my purpose is literally just to help people because I love – that's what makes yep. me feel the most energy inside that helps other people. And there's nothing better to me than helping somebody. So yep. it's good when yep. you find your purpose. I hear you. I hear you. That's, it's, uh, it, it's always you, you embrace it. When you, once you realize it and, and you embrace it, you know, it's, it's not a job anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you, Scott. Do you have any last words for the community? Anything you want to share? Anything we didn't go over or any uh, words of wisdom before we let you go? Well, I, I don't know if I have words of wisdom other than, you know, honestly, just the, this, this organization and what you're doing and the people that are involved in it, it's all good vibes, man. It's all, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, like you just said, using, building up your own energy so you can go do good for others um, while doing good for yourself. And that, that's such an important thing in life. And um, once you realize that, again, it, it goes back to what's, you know, just dealing with what's important right now, thinking like a kid and being like a kid, you know? So sure. I, I really like what you're doing. And, and, and I, I know I could say I learned a lot just from talking right now, just like the last time when, when we spoke on the phone for a while, I learned a lot. And, I, and again today, I learned a lot today again. So thank you. Same right back at you. And thank you, especially that win, that win in Akron. That's going to be big for me going forward. And I can't wait to tell everybody else about it because it's, 
like you said too, share what you get. When you get something that's valuable, valuable to you and can change your life, the best thing you can do is share it with others and help them versus hold it in and keep it to yourself. So I, I love it. And again, I appreciate you for coming on and, and yeah. being patient with me and trying to set yeah. this up. I appreciate you. Hey, thanks for having me again. I, and, and I'm more than willing, whenever you need, whenever you want or need, I'm, I'm, I'm in, let me know. Of course. Yeah. I appreciate it for sure. And we'll take anything we can get. And I also want to get my kid to one of your games when the season comes back. All right. Hopefully next year. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be, we're going to be all right. We're going to get going again. And, Good. You know, I th I'd say by February, we're back on the field again, playing against opponents. So nice. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you, All right. community, everyone, anyone who watches this, and we'll we'll get added on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Good. See you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.